Welcome to another episode of My Hope is Built On with your hosts, David and Dan Ziegler, a show about real people with real stories answering the question, what is your hope built on? May this week's episode bring you some hope. Ah, well, <laughs> welcome back again to another episode of My Hope is Built On. And today uh, we got an, another special guest. I guess all of our guests are special. And if not, you know, we wouldn't have them on. This <laughs> Pretty special. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so uh, today we have Lenny Graves. Lenny uh, goes back some time with us. I don't even know if I can look back and say how many years it's been, but we've served together, co-labored together in ministry, yeah. uh, especially as it related to youth and uh, working with students um, in multiple age groups. And so uh, we've had some exciting times. We've had some ups and downs, I think, you know, during that those ministry years, but it's it's always been a joy, hasn't it? Yeah. If there's no ups and downs in your ministry years, you probably didn't do ministry. Like, exactly. <laughs> probably wasn't actually ministry. You know? <laughs> so we're just excited to have Lenny, you know, and, uh, and again, it, I, one of the things I always think about when people, they go, oh, you just keep pulling all your church people in on this, uh, on this podcast. And it's like, well, you know, that is my sphere and yeah. that's, you know, that is my world, but, uh, we are, you know, but you know what's funny is we all didn't come from that place, you know, and it's and so that's the interesting thing. We all have a story, we all have a journey, we all have uh, a season that shifted in our life. And uh, so, Lenny, you've listened to the show, you kind of know what we do. But the the big question is, is you know, uh, you know, wh- how, what do you when you think of hope? What do you think of, and what is your hope built on? Oh. <laughs> I. It's so funny because it's such a loaded question, but it's such, you know, as I've listened through the last several weeks and just kind of as you've, as you've had these like discussions and conversations with, with people, um, I think in preparation for like listening to the podcast in preparation to talk about my own hope, it's, it's hard to deviate from the, the simplicity of the answer of like, my hope is built on Christ. Like yeah. that's, and like, I think the, the strength in that answer, like there's a weakness in that answer of like, okay, let's hear something new. Yeah. Like let's hear something other than like what, what you've already been claiming. But honestly, like if it, if you keep answering the same question with the same answer, then that answer has to have some kind of legitimacy to it. Mm-hmm. And if you can have a spectrum of experiences and a spectrum of of um perspectives and and um paradigms like that are coming together and they can all point to the same thing like i think that 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 doesn't weaken the thing that strengthens the thing so if you can have people that are coming in from every walk of life and say look christ has been the thing that is that has anchored me to hope and i remember listening to the podcast and thinking about that word that you used dan of like an anchor like a, like if you were to throw anchor and not have an anchor you just have a chain like i love that idea of like like there is there is this anchor of hope that 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 holds us and it's like i'm gonna get on here and just sing the same tune (laughs) i feel like i'm very aligned with and on the same page with you all Mm -hmm. of um of of my anchor being christ but i think this that it actually strengthens the 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 call and the cause to like to dig deeper into what does it mean to live in such a way that is, that, 
reacts to um, and seeks the truth of Jesus mm-hmm. in such a way that it affects and changes the way that I live. Yeah. And if you have people from different walks of life that are saying, I've been changed and it has changed the way that I live. When I reflect back and look at what Jesus has done in my life, then like that doesn't weaken Jesus as a, you know, it doesn't dilute him. Yeah. It, it condenses him and it, and it makes him stronger across contexts and across experiences. So like, I don't know, I've been thinking, I've been listening to your podcast. Like I said, I've loved it. It's so fun to be on as someone now who has been like engaging with it and kind of like consuming it to now be on the other side and kind of talking through and like, even now kind of having this thought like, Oh, this is going to be posted along with like some people that I know and others that I don't like. Yeah. Uh, and this idea that there is, there is a, a common thread of faith and trust in Jesus, wherever you're at, if you walk forward in deeper levels of that, that the way that it manifests is it, is it provides a security and the strength and this anchor toward the unknown and the chaotic that we live within, you know? So for me, um, I don't know. I've been listening to, uh, not listening to, but uh, several years ago, like throughout my journey of faith and kind of like living this out, like, like wrestling with like, what does this even look like? What does it look like to live out as a Christian? Like, do yeah. I just vote Republican or do I like, <laughs> like what are, what are the things that I'm supposed to do as a Christian? And, right. and I think anyone with an agenda can give you an answer to that because it's going to fit their agenda yeah. on any end of the spectrum. And, uh, I came across an article that a friend had posted about, um, resiliency, uh, being fragile, being resilient and being anti-fragile. And when I think about the idea of hope, like, so there's fragility, which is I try to, it's not that everything breaks me, but it's anything outside of my plan throws me off course. And so you think about people that, you know, that you have seen derailed that then lash out and respond in such a way that is uncharacteristic to who the person you knew was. Right. Um, So like everything is fine until it doesn't go my way. Mm. And then I break and now I'm going to attack. Now I'm going to go after people. Now I'm going to, you know, and whether that's professionally, it's within the church, it's, we build these things around us. Right. Yeah. Um, That, that, that just causes this tension where we're, where we're lashing out and we are not really being who we, who we pretend to be because we we're only this, if the circumstance meets our conditions. Right. And as soon as the circumstance doesn't meet my conditions, then now, now I'm going to re- lash out. Now I'm going to, now I'm going to attack anyone who changed my circumstances. Right. Yeah. Um, versus this idea of being anti-fragile or I'm sorry, being resilient, mm-hmm. which is, I know that circumstances are going to change. I'm not going to let them affect me. I'm just going to let it roll off of me and adjust and do what I can. But like I kind of that understanding, but I'm not going to lash out at other people. And then that there's a step further of anti-fragility where you, where you take any adversity or any kind of change or chaos that is introduced into your plan. And you say, okay, how do I take that and learn and grow from it and become better and deeper and, and more, equipped for the next time that I face something. Yeah. And for me, like that's, that's this like stream, right. Of like, like being fragile is like being a pond that is just stagnant and just <laughs> it, the water sits and you just leave it. And yeah. then being 
resilient is like, I know that the water, there's water that's going to leave from the pond and water that's going to come in, but there's no like, like allowing that flow, like you're just allowing that flow, but you're not creating that flow versus like being anti-fragile where you're saying, let's open up the front, let's open up the back and let it flow through so that it's always fresh water and there's always growth and there's always an opportunity for resilience and those kind of things. And so as I've been listening through your podcast and just thinking about hope, like I've been thinking about that idea of like, like hope is dynamic and it is, it is, it can't be based on, it has to be based on something deeper than a condition that I'm in or a condition that I want to take place. Right. And when there's a condition that I want to happen, right. That idea of fragility is as long as that condition happens, then I'm fine. Hmm. The biggest heart check question for me, like initially, you know, from very early on in my faith has been, what if what I don't want to happen happens? How am I going to respond? How am I going to respond if, if, if what I'm asking for isn't what I get? Yeah. And I think that's the big revealer to me about where our hope is based. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and, and what you're saying, I, I mean, obviously this has come through some seasons and, uh, you know, I know that prior to us meeting you, you've had some experiences in life and things of that nature that probably is, uh, has rocked your world a bit and challenged you. And uh, so c- kind of talk to us a little bit about some of that journey that's helped forge your faith and, and forge your hope because, uh, you know, I, like I said, I, I know about your dad and different things like that. So Talk to us about that. Yeah. And, you know, Dan, you were instrumental in, especially when I had first gotten uh, engaged. Um, so, so to back up a little bit, I'll, I'll come to that point in the story. But, you know, when I was in junior high and even leading into junior high, I'd grown up in a, in a Catholic home and, mm-hmm. and uh, I learned how to check the boxes. I learned how to, how to do what was asked of me within a religious system. Right. And it wasn't until later I look back and I see the value and the part behind the systemic things within a religious system mm. that were built in such a way to help bridge a gap between people who didn't know or didn't have access to um, right. knowledge the way that we have now or the, or scripture or like even literacy, some of those things. Like you look at the Catholic system and like, why do stained glass uh, pictures exist in the, in the church? And you're like, well, that's a tradition. They just, you know, if I were to build a new Catholic church, I would put stained glass on there. <laughs> but like those were pictures of the stories so that you could point to them in service and say, look, here's on the Baptist. And he claimed like, I must become, I must decrease and he must increase. And this is, this is him. We're looking at this picture, you know, but, but the tradition takes over the truth, you know, or we allow the tradition to precede the truth. And uh, so for me, I had grown up in a Catholic system where all I had learned was the tradition. And it wasn't until my, my eighth grade year, uh, when my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic ca- uh, cancer, mm. that um, my world was flipped upside down. Kind of that, like, what do you expect? You expect, I mean, we expect th- those that we love to be with us all the time. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, like we have those pictures for our life. And I think it's a, it's an honest and true desire that like, that like, I will have my family with me for my life. I will have, I will be part of my family for my life. I will be, but there's a reality of the chaos that we live in and the brokenness of the world that we live in that like, that's not guaranteed. 
And 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 it's not a result of like God doing that to us. It's a result of the brokenness that we live within. That is just a reality that we have to come to terms with. And I met that reality when I was in eighth grade, and my my dad was diagnosed with this cancer that was incurable. Hmm. And out of a Catholic background, there was a Christian family that heard about our situation and just started like they just reacted with what should we do? How can we help? Mm -hmm. They didn't know us. They didn't, they never met us. They had no agenda. Their only agenda was how can we help a family that's hurting? And so they started donating money to us to help us pay bills. And the oldest son who David, you remind me very much of, um, especially, especially like knowing you through high school was just like, like, he went a very different direction once he hit college and like, totally fell off the map and I wouldn't relate you there, but like, <laughs> just this, like, what can I do? How can I help? And so the oldest son started coming to my house and just praying with my dad. Mm. And I remember walking past the room and seeing this stranger in my home on his knees ne- next to my, my dad's bedside praying wow. and thinking, what, what is going on here? What is this? And it, it didn't take long for him to reach out to me and to invite me then into kind of his circle. And uh, he really pulled me in and mentored me and helped me and walked with me through, not necessarily walking me through the process of losing my dad, but like, like he would, he just was willing to, to do life with me. That was freaking messy and hard. <laughs> like the other people would look at him and be like, sucks dude you're the man of the house now sorry good luck yeah Yeah. i'm gonna be i'm gonna be side by side with you yeah you know like let's just get you out of the house i don't even he didn't even talk i don't know if he ever asked me about how i felt or what i went through Hmm. he just i don't even know if he knew what he was doing and honestly if i look back over my life in ministry i don't even know i don't i i can for sure tell you i don't know what i was doing right but i was doing and sometimes that's enough of a step for God and his grace to work through us yeah. where in our doing, God is actually doing more than we expected. And so he kind of stepped out, reached out and had, had uh, really become a mentor and a friend to me in the deepest, darkest, hardest time of my life. And for me, that was a seed planted, not to manipulate me to follow a religious set of rules, but but to say, hey, there is a hope here beyond like a God that could could or could not heal your dad. Yeah. Like, th- like, like we're not going to pray for that. We're going to, we're just going to help you get through life because life's going to happen to you. Right. And it, 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 it's, it hasn't been until later on in my life where I look back and I say, that's the way things had to happen. Mm. There are things that I've now been able to do and reach out to students and to people that have been hurting and say, I know how that feels. Yeah. I, you know, not exactly, but I experienced a very similar experience. And yeah. if it, if, if that experience was just to sit here and cry with you and understand yeah. the hurt, then, it, then that was worth it enough for me. Even if I don't have any other answers, Yeah, you know, like it was worth it enough for me. And, and so that kind of had, had built a foundation and then it was, and then we moved from uh, Northern Nevada to Santa Clarita of all places. And yeah. that's where I, where I got involved at heart of the canyons is a, a you know, the church that we attended and that the, yeah. we know each other through um, as a student in high school and then began to, to, to build upon a foundation 
of what I had experienced from a Christian in Northern Nevada now started to build into that. And then Dan, that's where you come in. Um, having been invested in the church, uh, dating someone in the church and, uh, I got engaged. And the first thing I think I thought after I got engaged was I need to surround myself because I don't have a man Mm. to look to and what, what this kind of relationship should look like. I need to, I need to like, I need to surround myself with people that are going to help me live this out. Mm. And I think it was like, it was probably within that month that you had started the Monday morning at five thirty AM <laughs> uh, men's group. Yeah. And like that was transformational for me as someone who was getting ready to get married and to, and to step into that relationship role where for, for several years I hadn't seen anyone lead in that role. I hadn't had that, that immediate contact. Right. And uh, you know, like, for me, that was, that was one of my transformational moments, Dan, of like, oh, wow. like this set me in a trajectory to then follow in faith in my marriage wow. in such a way that had led me down so many other paths. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Whether that was, whether that was investing in David or, yeah, um, or all those other things. Right. Like, but, but it had started that. I don't think you even know that, you no. know, that, that it had meant that to me, like that, that, that simple act of obedience to say, Hey, let's start a men's group that meets. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like those simple acts of obedience that we don't really even think about. We have no idea the depth of impact that God by his grace is mm. going to continue to work through, you know? So, um, I don't know if I answered the question. No, no, uh, you did, you know, and, and, yeah, no. And I, and, and you did. And I think one of the things is really kind of beautiful in what you're saying and, and, kind of lays, lays another dynamic. You know, one of the things David and I have, when we started this, you know, it's like we started this, we had an idea of what it really was meant to be. And then people kind of, you know, and then as you read things along the way, you're like starting to hear, well, fine tune your mess. What really is it that you're wanting to talk about? And, you know, one of the things I told David is, you know, really is it's about sparking hope in people is what we're really wanting to do. And the reason we're wanting to spark hope in people is because I want to catch that one person that the light is just going that much dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And I want all of a sudden just something breakthrough. They hear a story that just resonates because I'm there, I've been there and now I'm hearing it. And when you're saying all this, what's drawn me to this is that we're all to be beacons of hope, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all called to be beacons of hope is what we are. And that's really what this is all about. And what you're sharing is that, you know, at one point in my life, I was a beacon of hope for you yes. in your life, you know, and and then the same thing is true for David. I know he can attest to the things that you've done in his life where you were a beacon of hope for him. And so, you know, it's this idea of really taking responsibility for the gifts that you've been given and don't harbor that story, share it and and bring it to the surface so people can see it because it's when those people, you're going to come across the person that needs it. And it's just going to be at that moment that it's right. And the timing is perfect. And it's, and it's, you know, what we would call in the faith world, a divine appointment, right? And it just happens. And so, yeah, good. Thank you for sharing that because that does, it really kind of builds upon what this whole thing is about, which is really being a spark of hope. Yeah, it's anchored in Christ. That's the unwavering part of this faith, right? It's the unwaveringness of this hope. 
but it's individuals who rise up to be beacons of hope. Yeah. That's really what is the catalyst that drives us forward. And the, the person that affected me and, you know, he's not walking in the faith now. Hmm. And, and there are people who have deeply affected me that are not walking in the faith. But yeah. God, by his grace, like it was people that were faithful to respond to what they knew was right, regardless of, of the base which they were building on. And I would then challenge them, you know, and I'm willing to go back and challenge my friends and, and people yeah. that have invested in me that said, look, what you have done is such a picture of like, get, get the cultural experience, get, get that stuff out of your head of what you, the idea you have of Christianity or the idea you have in like what this looks like or what you would have to change. Like, yeah. And like, is it too much to believe that you weren't a Christian, but affected me in my faith? Right. You know, and is it too far to believe that like, maybe all you need is like a spark to open up your eyes to see that you, you are so much further along than where you think you are. And like, I don't know. I like think back. I don't, I don't know if we ever really know what we're doing. And I think I know that more truly now with a daughter uh, Mm. than I ever knew, you know, I thought I could apply that to youth ministry. I thought I could apply that to teaching. Like, like there's no, there's no amount of what I think I know that like 10 years from now, five years from now, two years from now, two months from now, I'm going to look back and say, Oh yeah, I didn't know it. I didn't really know because there's always more, if you're alive, if you're drawing air and if you're drawing breath, you are changing and you are growing. Yeah. You know, like to be alive is to be in change. Yep. And I think that we, we allow ourselves to talk ourselves out of whatever we know we should be doing, whatever we know we should be responding to because we're not, we've convinced ourselves we're not what we should be in order to do that. Yeah. Instead of just doing. Yeah, no, that's good. I think a lot too, and I think this is more of a response as believers. I think when we go into situations like this too, I, I I keep thinking back at this and you said it Lenny about like, here I am, how can I help kind of thing? Like, Mm -hmm. but that those words here I am. And Moses says it right when he, that's, that's how, that's his posture to God is when the burning bush and he hears Moses, Moses, all he says is here I am. And I said, well, what if we were to wake up every morning with that heart posture of here I am. Yeah. And if we hold our life with our palms up and go for it, like, I mean, that's just so it, it's the simplest three words, but it's the hardest thing to do because it's this here I am. I fully surrender. You. Yeah. Open my eyes to see the opportunities to, to be fully. Uh, uh, what's the word? Like just to be fully in it and know that you uh, have that confidence in him and in yourself because of who he is in you to go and be that beacon of hope for somebody else. And it's so contradictory, like, like inward, because there's this idea of surrender that says like surrender is losing all freedom. Mm. But, but, you know, listener, um, the, the challenge I would give is that in, in surrender, you find freedom. If you surrender to the one that sets you free. Yeah. There is freedom and surrender. If you surrender to the one that sets you free and mm-hmm. I will, I will come before you listener as, yeah. as someone who says it is, it is Jesus that sets you free. It's not going to be, 
It's not going to be any of these things that we chase after in our life. It's not going to be your finances. It's not going to be once I surrender to my finances and I get those in order, I'm going to be free because there's yeah. never enough of that. No, it's not going to be once I surrender to this family structure or this identity or this, mm-hmm. like, like all of those things are shadows of a fuller thing that exists that is waiting for us with open arms as we are to just surrender and say, okay, here I am. Yeah. What yeah. next? Yeah. I'm ready. You yeah. know, and like that for me, as we talk about this idea of like, what is hope built on? My hope is built on the, on the idea and the, the belief that in surrendering all of the things that I would wish for my own life, that, that there is a God who is sovereign and above all, and that will work through the brokenness in such a way that is going to bring redemption for other people, which I think is the most fulfilling. And that, so like a present reality and a future hope. Mm-hmm. There's like, there's a hope that is a, pre- a present reality and there's a hope that is a like an eternal hope. And yeah. that if I can learn to live within the present first and foremost, and looking toward the future mm-hmm. um, and not the future that I can create for myself, but the, the eternal future that exists, I think, you know, and that's, that's something that we have to wrestle with in terms of like yeah. what happens after this um, is like if I can live within those two places, that's where I find that hope is, is both tangible, but it's also a muscle that has to be, that has to be exercised in such a way where it doesn't atrophy. Right. And I think that we put our hope, if we put our hope outside of the future and we put our hope in the past or in like the, the upcoming future that we can control Mm-hmm. There is just too much outside of our control that can happen to us uh, that then causes us to, when that hope fails, to look at ourselves in not a healthy way that says, how do I better myself? Yeah. But in an unhealthy way that says, what did I do wrong and how do I condemn myself? Mm-hmm. And that's like, I, I feel like we, I personally spend a lot, of, have spent a lot of time and energy in those places um, that has wasted a lot of my life, um, in those places, you know, and, and the more that I surrender to the present and the eternal hope that I have, Hmm. uh, the more that I find everything else falls into place. Yeah, that's, that's good. You said that. Can you think of a tangible time like that in your mind? Cause you know, I know a lot of times, like you said, is there has been a specific time where you, you've noticed that even in the you know, in a good place, but all of a sudden you just shift your hope and say, you know, I'm hoping that when I get this master's degree, that this is all going to change. Or I hope that, you know, all my faith is in hope is in this one aspect. I'm, I'm hoping in this one individual to come through for me, you know, and do this. Can you think of something like that? And, and, and how that might've shifted your, cause I know we're, 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 we're imperfect people at the end of the day. Yeah. So, you know, you know, well, it's I, all fleeting, and I think we do it constantly. Exactly. And and I live so I my issue personally is that I if I'm going through something difficult, I look toward something that's going to gratify me in the near future mm. to help get me through what's difficult right now. Yeah. And there's not necessarily in and of itself, it's not necessarily wrong. It's a good coping mes- mechanism. It's a good way. I mean, because otherwise. I might just give up and I might not, 
you know, yeah. I might not actually do what I need to do or, or may hide or, or those different things. And so like, I am someone who lives for the, the, the material tangible foreseeable hope that I can work toward. Yeah. And because, and it's not that it has failed me because it get it does get me through, but it's not, it's not lasting. It's not, it's not eternally, eternally is kind of the wrong word that I want to use. It's not, it's not satisfying the way that I had promised myself it was going to be. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's like a guitar that I'm saving up to buy, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do the hard work to sell X, Y, and Z so that once I've done that, I can obtain this. I've now set a goal. Yeah. And, but the problem is that once we obtain our goal, it's not, it doesn't sustain us the way that we had promised ourselves it was going to sustain us. And we set more goals and it's not that goals in and of themselves are bad, but when goals are self-serving, we find we're like a bottomless pit that we're just we're just continually consuming. And I mean, all you have to do is look around the world, look around what is being sold yeah. to us, not what is being sold, because we need things. I mean, I need yeah. a car to get to work and back. I mean, I guess I could ride a bike or walk, but like I'm like we are, we are in such a culture and such a world where these things are kind of necessities, mm. yeah. but look at our necessities no longer are sold to us as fitting the need. They're sold to us as so much more. They're sold to us as an identity. Yeah. They're sold to us as a satisfaction. They're sold to us as a relational fix, you know, and like, it doesn't take long watching commercials to realize like, Dude, they're not selling me Budweiser. They're selling me relationships. They're selling me identity. They're selling me the the person that I want to be. Yeah. yeah. And so the things in and and I think you know, uh, Westernized kind of Christianity has done a bad idea. Has done a like, maybe not a great job of like of identifying these these kind of tendencies. Instead, we've kind of replaced them and we've said, oh, well, let's just replace them with Christian things. So instead of being a pop star, just be a, a hit worship leader. Yeah. Instead of being, you know, instead of being one thing, be the other. And then we're like so confused when these things fall apart in the limelight for yeah. people, yeah. you know. Perfect. And and so, you know, I live in that constant place of and I think it's natural. I think it's it's. It's a nature thing, but it's also a nurture thing, part of the the culture that we live in, where we are constantly looking for like, oh, well, when I finally have this house, when I finally have this job, when I'm, when I'm, you know, when I'm taking this car to work, when I, I'm putting it very materialistically, but I guess it could be, it could be other things. When I, when I finally hit two kids in my family, when I finally <laughs> hit these things, right? And yeah. and those things in and of themselves aren't bad, but if they are self-serving, then, and if they're not focused on something greater, mm. then they're not enough to sustain us and we need more. Yeah. And the need for more is out of a, a need to sustain ourselves, which is like a vicious cycle versus like a need for more or a drive to more so that... And this is again coming from a Christian perspective, like my own personal worldview out of my identity and relationship with God, 
is, is that, you know, if I seek first his kingdom, if I put his kingdom above my own and what that would look like and how the things that have been entrusted to me, I can, I can steward well that other things that I'm seeking for are going to fall into place. Right. And that's true. That for me is true freedom. And I think for me, when I think about hope, hope is something that leads us to freedom or we search for hope out of a search for freedom because we are the, the human experience is brokenness. Hmm. And if you haven't experienced it yet, you will. And I'd venture to say that most of us have experienced brokenness, whether that's in, in something internal in us that we have then manifested and broken to those around us. Or if it's something external that we couldn't control that has happened to us, like my dad getting cancer, I couldn't control that, but it happened. But then internally, how do I respond to that? And like, I think God in his grace is always, is always calling people to return to him so that they can find rest and find true hope and true peace and true freedom. You know, when Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, and now we've now we've created religious systems that create no freedom whatsoever. We're just yeah. trying to manipulate and micromanage people to live, act, think, do, talk, whatever way we think they should, or whatever way the culture, you know, the, the religious culture thinks they should is counter is counterintuitive to this idea mm. of freedom. But freedom is also not the ability to just do whatever I want without without consequence and without guilt yeah there's this like there is a line but but i personally have found and i think the more that you live the more that your kind of eyes are open to the idea that this line exists and being too far on one side or the other of the line is is destructive either personally or relationally yeah 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 i agree i agree what about you david you got any other uh, ideas or thoughts well i i I wanted to say, you know, going back to, to people uh, kind of being more of an influence. Lenny, I, I reached out to you la- sometime last year and I texted you, but like going back and somebody asked me of like, who was someone in my life that uh, really kind of got me started? And the more I got to think of it, I was like, oh, it was, it was Lenny. Cause it was right around like, it was, well, it was in, in junior high. I mean, I just played, I was a kid that played guitar and wasn't very good at it, you know, and we, there was no junior high band. We were the junior high band and, uh, you know, you got me into singing and everything like that. And I was like, like the more I thought about it, I was like, well, he was the one that made, help me start and get my, to actually reveal my gifts to me really, because not like I'm the best guitar player or singer, but that led me down to a place where, well, my senior year in high school when I was leading worship for main service, I remember I walked out of there. I felt like I saw who Jesus was. Mm. And I'm like, if that wasn't for you teaching me these things when I was just a young kid, I never would have experienced that in, in that way that I did. And now looking, I mean, I have you to look at as just a huge influence in my life. That's, I mean, now I run a small, uh, small young adults group up here that, and lead worship for them and even leading worship for any other church. I mean, that was because of you helping me out. 
same direction. So I thank you for that. But if it weren't for you and just saying, here I am, use me and being that leader in high school or for junior high, I wouldn't have gotten that. Which is crazy because you forget that like, when you're looking up at someone that's yeah. like somewhere where you want to be or <laughs> someone that's like influencing you, yeah, you kind of put them in this place where like, they're where I want to be. So I'm going to assume that they don't have any, any questions or anything going on outside of what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. But on the flip side, all I remember is like getting involved. I remember coming back from a church plant. I, you know, I listened to Nate Ryan's yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, podcast. He's a close friend of mine. I love him dearly. And, yeah. and listening to him and him talking about Ron and like, we were both part of the church plant and I had gotten engaged and it was like, okay, Aaron's serving at Heart of the Canyons. It's time for me to come back. And I was like, <laughs> I had left the youth ministry and like to go help plant this church. And like, is it, is it weird for me to come back into youth ministry? I don't want to step on any toes or like be uncomfortable. Right. And I think the first event I came to may have been at your home. It was at someone's home. And I remember you, I remember Carson Gibson. I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember uh, who was the other skateboarder? There were like three skateboarders, but it was like Jonathan Pickett. Jonathan Pickett and uh, Zach, uh, just had a bit, Zach Harris. Right. So like, so here I'm listing names of people that now I'm following and I'm looking at their lives going, wow, this is so cool. They're so effective for the kingdom. Right. right. But like I showed up, I didn't know I, I had my skateboard in my car and I just kind of hung out and like, but I didn't want to step on toes. I didn't have a clue what I was supposed to do. And I didn't want to overstep bounds in terms of leading worship in terms of like sure. whatever. And the only thing that pushed me forward into pursuing doing worship was David, when you approached me and you said, I want to do a worship band, <laughs> you lead us. And yeah. I would, I personally would not have done anything <laughs> had it have not been for your prompting. So it's like, it's funny because I didn't come in with this idea of like, okay, it's time for me to like wrangle this ragtag group of like junior hires and like, Sure. get them and get them going and like set them on their, on their paths. Like it was out of a dozen. And so I think we overthink each other sure. way more than we should. Yeah. yeah. Totally. You know, we overthink people way more than we should. And what we should really, I, I, the more that I learn and the more that I live, the more that I understand, like we should really just try to engage with mm -hmm. where we're at. Yeah. There's a reason why we're passionate about the things we're passionate about. There's a reason why we care about the things we care about. Let's engage with people about those things. Fight over. But look, life is too, if you haven't learned it yet, you're going to learn it. Life is too hard to fight about the things that don't matter. Exactly. Oh, yeah. You're going to get hit with things that you can't control. Yeah. That hurt. And everyone else is too. So why are we so busy fighting each, fighting each other and making life hard on each other over the things that we can't control? When the things that we can't control, like partnering with each other and making the world better and like building off each other and learning from each other, like, why are we doing more of that? Let's do more of that. And yeah. like, it, you know, it's a personal level. It's a personal, like, and who cares? Who cares about the benchmarks? Who cares about having X amount of people? Who cares about having, like, at the end of the day, what really matters is like, did, did I step out and respond faithfully to what I thought I was supposed to do? Yeah. And, it, and, and, and can I learn from it to change forward? Yeah. And thank you, God, by your grace, that anything else that I fell short in, you covered. Yeah. You know? Like I, I could have screwed you guys up. <laughs> you know what I mean, David? Like I could have screwed you guys up, but like, 
God, by his grace, I didn't know what I was doing, but God, by his grace said, here's someone who's willing with his hands open to just show up on a Wednesday night before youth group or a Thursday night, whatever night we had practice. Sure. I think it was a Tuesday night because I remember the election, the OA election being one of the nights yeah. we had practice and, and Brad coming out going, nightmare. Um, <laughs> <but anyways. laughs> uh, you know, it, it must have been Tuesday nights. Yeah. And it was like, it was like trying to wrangle. We had our drummer was like in the street on a skateboard. Like I had to like, I had to tune our guitarist like strings 15 times before he could actually start playing. Like, how'd you get these? You know, it's like, we don't know. No one knows what they're doing. If if you're convinced that someone knows what you're, what they're doing, you're just, you're living a lie. No one knows what they're doing. Let's just come in with that assumption and then care for each other and walk forward with each other. And I think, that like, if you trust that God by his grace, if you're just responding faithfully, like yeah. we're going to see good come out of it. And if we don't see good come out of it, we need to learn from it. And then, and then do that, you know, the next time. So yeah. it, it's so funny because I feel like, like our relationship, David has yeah. been very much a, you look up to me, but yeah. like the whole time I'm just quietly looking up to you. I'm like, David, <laughs> freaking got it together. And I um, guess since he's, since he's putting me here, I better rise to the occasion. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Hey, yeah. you know, Lenny, uh, you, you mentioned something in this last bit you were talking and uh, I'm on it. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, you, you talked about how, you know, if we would just all engage with one another, the world could be a better place. And um, is that true for everybody or is that only for believers? No, I think it's true for everybody. And I would say it's true for everybody and wherever you're at, if you're not, a because, and this is coming from a believer's perspective. So you've got to remember that if I'm talking about the world, I'm talking about the world. Like I've been, I've been living with these lenses on that have given me clarity. I believe clarity to what I see in the world in such a way so like, I don't mean to come across in such a way where like, this is the only way to think, or this is the only, you know, listener, like, this is the only way to think, this is the only way to perceive the world, because our contexts are all going to be different. We're all in a different process. We're all working through it at different paces. Yeah. Um, but personally, I look at this and, and I say that my understanding of the world mm-hmm. based on the scripture is that we are all made in God's image. Mm-hmm. And if we are made in God's image, then even if we don't acknowledge that, there are aspects of us that have capacities to be like what God has intended us for be to has intended us to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and those capacities are 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 the things that then, if you come into faith, you are called to live deeper and truer and and to apply. Like from a humanistic standpoint, I guess like we can acknowledge these things and say they are good and we should acknowledge them anyways and everyone should live by these. But from a Christian standpoint, I'm sorry if you've experienced a Christian standpoint as you need to do X, Y, and Z in order to be accepted and and you need to fit this mold because really what it is, is the Christian perspective is that in the Christian's life, the thing that that should emanate out of the Christian's life. Yeah is not their political party. It's not their stance yep. on, on X, Y, or Z position. It's not, there's, there's stuff and that needs to be discussed yeah. in its own places. Yeah. But in the Christian life, what we should be seeing from Christians before we see a stance on abortion, 
before we see a stance on whatever you want to stance on, yeah. I want to see a Christian that is pursuing love, that is pursuing joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah. If those are not the things that are manifesting from us, then we are missing the mark. And if on the other end, if you are not a Christian or if you're a Christian, but you've been burnt by Christians and you're looking at the system for something that you can point out that like, because I've watched personally, I've been in youth minister. I mean, I, I served in youth ministry in a leadership leadership position for eight years. And then I did several years before that at a volunteer standpoint. And I've watched people walk away from their faith or, or dismiss the idea of faith because of experiences they've had that, that are convenient for them to point at, but are not the truth of what faith is actually about. Yeah. Yeah. And it breaks my heart that we can dismiss, you know, that I would eat a bad cheeseburger at McDonald's and then say all cheeseburgers are bad. Yeah. Without having eaten in and out or Shake Shack or like, like a legitimate good cheeseburger, right? Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> that we would experience one and then say, well, that's good enough for me to say all of it's bad. You know, my Ooh. daughter has one bad vegetable and then bases all of her experiences on vegetables with the one bad one. Exactly. And we do the same thing with faith. And and sometimes it's, it's subtle, but sometimes it's, it's like, well, really, I don't want to come to terms with what I'm doing or how I'm living or what, what it's going to call out on me. Right. You know, and ultimately I don't care to moralize you. You can do what you want, but if you want freedom and you want like, like depth and just like the ability to look at yourself without hating yourself and say, there's just grace over me and thank you Lord because I'm a, you know, like, like then I'm, there's only one place I can point you to. And it's not by bettering yourself. It's by surrendering yourself and then allowing yourself to be bettered. And so like all of that, that was a huge tangent. I feel like wasn't very, no, it was good. No, it was good. And you know, and the reason I asked that question again is just because here we talk about how we're, you know, I, I don't want us to sound like we're just this one-sided people, right? No, we're no. just, you no, know, we, I, I mean, I am, you know, one of the things I'm a firm believer in is really engaging with people and learning yeah. what it is. You know, it's the, there's this one thing where you do, it's a, in a group setting is you put a beach ball in the center. And if you pull a beach ball in the middle, the beach ball has multiple colors on it, right? And the one person says, well, what do you see? And the person says, I see blue. And you're going, no, I see orange. No, I see blue. But until you walk around and you see what they actually see, will you see that, hey, they actually do see blue, (laughs) you know, and you can have healthy conversations. And so that is, and again, that's how you spark hope too in this world is you start having healthy conversations because you got to break free from your own point of view and actually look and see the other person's point of view. And that point of view can be completely different than mine. And I'm happy to have that healthy conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like, that's the freedom. And I think that's, that's again, kind of going back to this idea of like, there are a lot of different point of views that have come to a belief in Christ that like we stand like, the most obnoxious answer to standing around a beach ball and saying, what do you see? Yeah. Is when someone doesn't say they see the color, they say, I see a beach ball. Yeah. And you're like, well, well, you just ruin the whole exercise. Exactly. Because like, you're supposed to see color, you know, but like, I feel like that's part of the, the experience, like at least that I've had with faith 
um, is that it is so applicable across contexts and across paradigms, across experiences, uh, that I think it gives me the confidence to say, you know, listener, watcher, whatever, like personally, I, I'm sorry to be singing the same tune, but I'm also not like, I'm unashamed <laughs> to be singing this tune that says, look, yeah. our hope can be built on a lot of, th- and I built my hope on a lot of things, but there is one thing that has proved consistent. If I build my hope on anything outside of Christ, I, I'm building my help on my hope on something conditional. Mm. And that anything conditional is just like it is subject to um, to not meeting the condition that I need or that my condition changes and then I need to change that condition. And we're chasing the same, the same thing over and over again. I'm not, you know, like I, I hope that I'm not coming across as like this is the the only way to think about life. But at the same time, I think this is the, for me personally, in my process of trying to uncover what does living this life look like. Yeah. I, I can't have come to what I am convinced is the answer and then say anything different out of what I'm, what I think people want to hear. Yeah, no, I get it. And so like, like, I just, I just hope that like, and it, the probably if your questions are that deep, they're not going to be answered in a podcast. You no, no. With people and you need to get involved and, you know, and like pursue those things. But like, my goodness, if, if this isn't a good place to start, you know, like yeah. it, even just having listened to the last several podcasts and, and trying to get caught up, like, like we, don't, I don't know if people think about stuff like this all the time. No, no. It's easier not to, for sure. I try to avoid any kind of, any kind of, yeah. let me just go to work, do what I'm supposed to do, come home, zone out. Yeah. You know, and, and let that be good enough. And then you start looking at yourself and, and really being introspective. And then you find like, this is a worthy cause. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, Lenny, I just want to tell you, I thank you so much for being a part of this. I, you know, I'm really glad you're able to do that. And uh, we were excited with everything you had to share tonight. I think it's really good. Uh, you know, once again, for all the uh, people that are listening or watching, uh, we have shared our phone number. So maybe something tonight sparked something in you and you're going, hey, listen, I got to challenge him on what he just said. Hey, give us a phone call. And we're up for the challenge. So, uh, but again, thank you again, David, you want to say anything? Lenny, thank you, man. I really appreciate you being on here and I love what you have to say. So you guys, thank you so much. And I, I don't know, you guys are both uh, measures of men that I, <laughs> that I look up to for my own life. Um, and, and just appreciate what you're doing and, and, and following that listeners. Thank you. Uh, I know as I was listening through your podcast, I went, Oh, 20 minutes. I'm in, Oh, 40 minutes. I'm out. <laughs> and, uh, here I am at probably an hour. So, <laughs> but I appreciate uh, you guys' time. No problem. Man. We love you. Have a good one. All right.